This is Chapter 15, Part 2 of The War on Waste Paradox by Len Bertain, read by Len Bertain. Mr. Grimes returned to his office and waited for his 10 o'clock a.m. appointment. He was going to interview a man who used to work at Osgood's. The appointment was on time. Mr. Grimes talked with the man for a little bit, reviewed his, reviewed his resume in great detail, and was very impressed with his credentials. He got up and took him on a tour of the plant. As he walked out to our area, I looked at him. I couldn't believe it. Mr. Grimes had Darth Vader with him. There were several of us back at Quality Pump who would have participated in his hanging. But why was he here? Mr. Grimes wasn't going to hire him, was he? Oh my God, what is he doing? As Mr. Grimes walked him around the facility, Jim came out of nowhere and shook hands with the man. They smiled at each other and seemed quite friendly. Mr. Grimes stayed a few minutes and then took off. Jim spent a little time at his desk with the man, then stood up and headed over in my direction. Why was Jim bringing... Darth Vader over to me. I hated his guts for what he did to us and to Charlie. This guy was terrible. But apparently Jim knew this guy because they were real chummy. But I knew better. He was trouble. He would destroy this organization just like he destroyed Osgood's. As they arrived at my station, suddenly I didn't feel very well. Jim asked me if was, I was all right, and I said, yeah, I was, and he proceeded to introduce me. This is Calvin Jackson. He used to work at Osgood's. Oh, you two probably know each other. Yes, we both worked at Osgood's. I, of course, expected to retire from there. Calvin just worked there a little while. Nice to see you again. The sarcasm in my voice came through loud and clear. My friend Charlie told me to say hello if I ever, ever I ran into you on anything. So here I am, and Charlie says hello. Calvin was clearly bothered by my reaction. I couldn't have cared less. Calvin represented the worst in American management, and I wasn't going to miss my opportunity to tell him so. We certainly didn't need this kind here. He would destroy any good that Dr. Elby was doing. I heard Calvin said, I heard about Charlie. Was he a friend of yours? Yes, he was. I was a third generation employee at Osgood's, and Charlie was a good friend of my father's and mine. He taught me a lot about machining. In fact, we interviewed together for this job. I got a job and he didn't. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you two would leave me alone. I really don't like what you did over at Osgood's. It was immoral. You destroyed Charlie's spirit, and you almost did the same with mine. I turned and went back to my work. I hated Calvin. As far as I was concerned, he was this devil personified. He had destroyed a lot of people's lives, and he probably felt no remorse. What I did was wrong, but they couldn't bring him in here. They just couldn't. He would be bad for what we were trying to do. Jim came over to me after lunch. He was angry. He told me that I was rude 
that I had insulted his friend. I told Jim that if that guy was your friend, he ought to examine his conscience. What Calvin did at Osgood's was unpardonable, and Jim had no right to judge me. I had lost my job as a result of that man, and I was entitled to my own opinion whether Jim liked it or not. Jim did not back down. He was mad. I was madder. Jim yelled at me. I yelled back. Everyone in the place was looking at us, and I was right in Jim's face. Jim turned and left. He went over to his desk and sat there for the longest time. My setup was going slow, and I had a hard time concentrating on what I was doing. It was not like me to yell at people. Whenever I did, I usually got over it quickly. This time my anger lingered. I really did not want to see Darth Vader at our facility. Jim came over just before quitting time. He quietly asked me, Have you calmed down yet? I answered, Jim, to be quite frank with you, no. No way. As you can gather, I get quite emotional about my experience at Osgood's. And I was unemployed a long time because of your friend. I resent what he did to me and all the people at Osgood's. I can't tell you that I am sorry for yelling at you earlier. I'm not. That's the way I feel. I've been through a lot of stuff in the last six months, and seeing him here was not a very good moment. Jim said, I'm sorry for bringing him over to you. I forgot about how close you were to Charlie and how long your family had been associated with Osgood. I should have known you would have reacted that way. It's only natural, I guess. I'm sorry for upsetting you. Forgive me for my stupidity, okay? As he left, he said, I'll see you tomorrow in class. As I drove home, I thought intently about my discussion with Jim and Calvin. Normally, I'm not so rude. Darth Vader had caused so much pain and suffering after he took over at Osgood's that it was very difficult to find any good in a man. He had closed the plant that Dad and Grandpa had worked at all their lives. He had put Charlie and me on the unemployment lines, and more than likely, his action had led to Charlie's death. As I was pulling into the driveway, it suddenly struck me. Maybe he was just following orders and someone else had called all the shots. I pulled the truck to a stop and just sat in the cab for a few minutes thinking about this situation. I heard a loud knock on the cab window. It was Buddy. He had his football, and he wanted to toss it around with me. I got out of the cab with my mind way down the line. I was very distracted as I was playing with Buddy. I kept thinking about that afternoon. Buddy was commenting on my throwing. I wasn't aiming very well, and more importantly, I wasn't very talkative. Buddy had a good arm and threw one right at my head. I wasn't paying attention, and the ball hit me square in the forehead. I went down for the count. Buddy started to laugh, but then he got concerned when he realized I might be hurt. I got up and laughed, but boy, did I have a goose egg on my forehead. We continued passing for a few more minutes, and then Sandy called and said I had a phone call. I tossed the ball back to Buddy and said, Why don't we go in? I bet Mom has dinner on the table for us, and it's probably ready. I raced Buddy to the back porch. Of course, he won. 
and then we raced into the house to the sound of Sandy. No running. We stopped. I gave Sandy a kiss and picked up the phone. It was Jim, the plant manager. Have you eaten dinner yet, Jim said. I responded formally. Well, I just got in and we were about to sit down. What's the matter? Well, I would like to take you to dinner with Calvin, Mr. Grimes, and Dr. Elby. If you'd like to join us, I can be by your place in about an hour. We'll eat down at the shanty. Do you need to check first? I thought a second and asked Jim where he was. He told me that he was at work with Mr. Grimes and Dr. Elby. I asked, could I call you right back? I don't know what's on the agenda here at home. I just got in and Sandy had dinner ready. She may not be pleased. Let me talk to her and I'll call you right back. Jim paused before he answered. Okay, no problem. Call us on Mr. Grimes' line and he gave me the number. Sandy was interested in a phone call. The kids were all excited and Mickey wanted me to hold him. I grabbed him from Sandy and told her about the phone call and what had happened at work. Oh my God, she sighed. They're going to fire you. They're going to fire you, aren't they? Well, at least, I said, at least I can do it on a full stomach. I thought a few minutes and asked Sandy, is my shirt ironed? She gave me a look as if to say, what do you think I did after I washed it? Stuffed it in the drawer like you would? In a very serious voice, she asked, what would they possibly want? Why would they call you like this? Do you think they're going to fire you? No one ever invited you to dinner before. Is this the new way they fire someone? I put my hand up and said firmly, Stop, Sandy. I don't know what they want. I would like to go to dinner with them and find out. What have I got to lose? I called Jim back and accepted his invitation. He was pleased. In spite of our earlier differences, I liked Jim and knew he was a straight shooter. If he had invited me, it must be serious. I owed him that much. Sandy was nervous as I went out the door to meet Jim. As he opened the front door, I got in. Dr. Elby was sitting in the back seat reading something. He acknowledged my entry and continued reading. Jim was all smiles as I shut the door and we headed downtown. As we drove the ten minutes to the shanty, Jim was again apologizing for the afternoon exchange. Dr. Elby was obviously very serious and appeared to be distracted in the back seat. He had finished the article from the magazine he was reading. I glanced at the back seat as he closed the door and saw that it was the Harvard Business Review. As we walked into the restaurant, Dr. Elby finally snapped out of his distraction and rejoined the human race. Mike Day was just arriving. Mr. Grimes and Darth Vader were sitting at the bar drinking Anchor Steam beers. The owner of the shanty had been in San Francisco some years ago, and he really liked Anchor Steam beer, so he had now had a regular delivery of the stuff. He attracted local patrons to the bar to drink the fine San Francisco beer. He loved it, and we paid dearly. Not a bad deal. We went over to join Mr. Grimes and were immediately directed to the back room. We all sat down and the waitress took my drink order. I was seated next to Mr. Grimes and Dr. Elby at the round dinner table. As we traded amenities, I had none for Calvin. 
Mike asked him about his mother, and Calvin told Mike that she was doing okay now. The surgery had slowed her down. She was going to take that cruise she always wanted to take. Boy, that was interesting. Darth Vader had an earthling mother. As he talked, I noticed a different manner. He had an overbearing personality when he was managing Osgood's. Maybe he had mellowed after getting fired. When I had heard that, I couldn't have been a happier fellow. Apparently, Calvin did a pretty good job selling the assets of Osgood's for maximum dollar value. After doing his job and bringing the plant closure to a rapid end, he was abruptly fired. He was really surprising. He got the old heave-ho just like us. The interesting news to me was that he did the job he was apparently supposed to do and still got at. It didn't make sense. Why would they fire him for doing a good job? And then my father's words came back to me. Doing a good job in America has nothing to do with keeping your job. That's the end of chapter 15, part 2. Stay tuned for chapter 15, part 3, for the next time to find out what happens to our hero and Darth Vader. Thank you very much.